You're listening to the Alliance Theater Podcast, an exploration of theater and the people who make it happen, hosted by John and Ariel. Welcome to the first episode of the Alliance Theater Podcast. I'm John Carr, Audience Development Manager. And I'm Arielle Tinter, Brand Journalist. Why should we have a podcast, you may ask? Well, we wanted to create an avenue for our audiences and Alliance Theater fans to, well, learn more about what we do. We're delighted to have Donny K. Washington with us today. Not only is she an associate producer at the Alliance Theater, she is an accomplished director and producer nationwide with credits at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, Target Margin, Playwrights Horizons Theater School, and Williamstown Theater Festival, among others. She holds an MFA in directing from Brown and a BFA from NYU's Tisch School of the Arts. Welcome, Danya. Thanks. So uh, what we're going to do, we're going to go right into our lightning round of questions. Okay. And we'll get right with it. Lightning round. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. Where are you from? Upstate New York. How did you get bitten by the theater bug? Oh, I'm, I think, because it's actually long enough ago that I don't fully remember, but this is what I remember. Um, uh, when I was a kid, my mother was choreographing for the local community college, and she used to take me to rehearsals with her because, you know, babysitting small children, that's what you do. Um, and so I was sitting in rehearsal like as a three and four year old while she was choreographing Oliver and Annie. I remember those two distinctly. <laughs> I had the Annie record and she had me watch Oliver on the VHS tape and then I rewound and watched it again and again and again. And it was shortly after that that I started putting on shows in the living room with my friends and inviting the neighborhood over to watch our shows. And I'm told that I also made tickets at one point and sold tickets in the neighborhood <laughs> to get the neighbors to come see my shows. Wow, producer in the making. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Oh, what character did you love as a kid? I mean, I have to say Oliver because it was my favorite movie as a kid. I watched that I tape so many times I'm surprised it still works. And yes, I still have it. Excellent. What is your favorite thing about Atlanta other than theater? Probably the fact that I have so much family who lives in Atlanta and around Atlanta. And how did you get started at the Alliance? I was working at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, and a job post came up for the off-site season producer. And I thought the job sounded absolutely insane, and I really wanted to do it. Very cool. All right, you survived the lightning round. Yay, <laughs> Uh, so let's let's move into like why we brought you here. Yes. yes, you've got an awesome background here at the Alliance. You're helping us do some really cool things. Uh, one of the things that's really cool is that you are the li liaison for the Atlanta arts community. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. I think I'm one of the liaisons for the community because of the Riser Atlanta Artist Lab. Um, and what that is, if you're not familiar with it, is the Alliance Theater uh, in 2013 launched the Riser Atlanta Artist Lab to support and provide opportunities to artists of multiple theatrical disciplines looking for producing home or underdeveloped work. So each year we have an open application round, which will close in December. Just to say out loud, it opens in August. We'll close in December. Get your applications in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sample applications up on the website as we speak if you wanted to get ready for it. Uh, and each year we select three projects. Each project is given $10,000 towards further exploration and development, as well as access to our artistic resources, educational production staffs, and some rehearsal space. We produce uh, internal reading and a external showcase, if you will, final pre presentation of the work. Um, but through that process of not just working with the Riser Lab artists, but also 
talking with the people who apply, I've gotten to know a lot of different people in the Atlanta artistic community that I might not have known in any other way, because many, most often, these are folks whose work we're not producing on our stages. These are folks who are not also acting in our shows. Sometimes they are. Sometimes we'll have an actor from one of our stages who has a latent writing talent that they didn't even know they had. Mm -hmm. A friend of theirs maybe encourages them to write a show, and maybe we produce that show. Not that I'm talking about Mary Leno and, or David <laughs> DeFries. <laughs> who we love. Mm -hmm. One of the things I really love about the Riser Lab is that it's not just open to playwrights or directors no, like yeah. one would think. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. It's open to anybody who has an idea for a show. Like right now we've got somebody who is a cellist, by like is his main artistic uh, driving force and he's currently creating a theatrical experience and I say theatrical experience too because not all of our shows not all of the Riser Lab projects are going to be plays right they're not necessarily going to have a narrative arc that has a beginning middle and end some of them might be more like performance art some of them may be like mini operettas some of them they could be a variety of things and we really encourage that kind of artistic development and for people to apply because what we found talking to some folks is that surely talking to your friends and figuring out who your group of people you would apply with and putting an application together begins a process that whether or not you get the riser artist lab that process has already begun and will continue for some folks yeah and i think that's the kind of the important part of it is like not only is it looking for people that we're going to be producing but also helping people get that foundation i mean yeah. one of the great things because i've been a part of it and had an opportunity to work with you all and one of the cool things was like even when you're an applicant, you have these like meet and greets yeah. where the different applicants talk about their projects mm -hmm. to the group and you get to network and meet so many different people. And for me, I got to see so many different uh, projects and some cool people and meet some great people as well. Yeah. And one thing that we try to do, too, is that for applicants who want feedback on their application, I'll sit down and meet with them, write it up if it's easier by email, what have you, because part of this is about helping all of us get better and or helping all of us get feedback because sometimes uh, what you actually need is feedback on what you're doing because you feel like you're shouting into the void mm -hmm. so sometimes it's useful just to get somebody to say yes I heard you and this is what makes sense to me you know how do you feel about that yeah. so like that has also been really cool can you talk a little bit about the selection process? Because I know we have yeah. this great jury of people sure. who look through all these applications. Sure. So once we get the application in, we share that application out with our judging panel. Um, Susan Booth is on the judging panel every year. Um, I am a non-voting member on the panel, so I don't get a vote in who gets what, which is actually useful because then I get to play Switzerland. Mm -hmm. So it's like I have no <laughs> control over who gets picked. I'm rooting for everybody to win. Um, uh, and then we have a local artistic director. Uh, we have a former member of the Riser Lab. We have an uh, artistic person from the national community, which may be another national artistic director. It may be like a dramaturg or producer or somebody that's not from the Atlanta field. Um, and we have a funder as well. So we're getting a different, a very different sense on the artistic process from them. Uh, each year that panel changes. This Susan is the only constant on the panel. So for people, some people have applied multiple times and the first couple of times they didn't get it, the third time they did. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's because the application changed over time. But each panel is gonna be a little bit different. Their influences are gonna be different. Their taste is gonna be different. Which honestly I think is cool because it means that the Riser Lab doesn't have, it's only constant is that they're Atlanta artists. Everything else can change, right? And I think that's really cool. 
I also think it's really neat, for especially for these national folks, to come and see all of these applications and go, wait a second, I didn't know all of these people lived in Atlanta. Wait, what? <laughs> what? Cool Atlanta is a metropolis of talent? <laughs> but it's amazing each year to sit down with these folks and have them read the applications and go, wait, all of this live, you guys do this every year? And we're like, yeah. And they're like, like we should do this. And we're like, yeah, you should. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and I think that's a great kind of jumping off place because we have all these, this wonderful um, riser grant that's been going for a while now. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about like some of the stories that have come out, like the, some of the things that we've done as a result of this? I mean, I am new to running the Riser Lab. I should mm -hmm. give a special shout out to Salisa Kalki, who was the one who was here when we founded it mm -hmm. and really got it going, along with Margaret and Bob, who, Riser, who are the reason why we can do this. And they've, the three, like, Margaret and Bob have been amazing over the years. Um, and Salisa really did a huge, huge service to the community in the way that she did this. One of my favorite stories of the Riser Lab of recent vintage is also an unusual one. I should say that it's an unusual story of the Riser Lab. But Mary Lynn's version is a really fun one because Mary Lynn is an actor who many people know in Atlanta. She works quite regularly because she's lovely to work with and she's incredibly talented. Um, and she was talking with her friend David DeVries, who is also a local director, and he knew that she had written these essays that she just kept around, that she was t writing essays about her family and about growing up uh, in the Atlanta area. And he thought that they would make a good play. And she wasn't sure about that, and he kept talking to her about it. And finally, he convinced her to apply to the Riser Atlanta Artist Lab just to try and see if they could make something into it. Oh, my goodness. Once they started, they went full tilt. It was amazing. And part of the play involved her baking bread, physically baking bread and actually baking it during the course of the play. Um, for their presentation, their presentation was far more staged than most typically are, in part because she had to bake the bread to figure out timing and all that kind of stuff. And also, you know, you're literally baking while you're spitting out memorized text and also trying to make it sound like you just came up with it, like you're acting. So that's a lot to figure out. Um, I saw one of their showcases, um, and it was amazing. I happened to be sitting near a couple people, maybe I was sitting near a couple people I knew, but a lot of people in the room I didn't know at the time. Um, and over the and I didn't know Marilyn very well at the time either. But at the end of the night, I felt like everybody in the room I'd been best friends with for forever. That I'd known Mary Lynn for forever. <laughs> we all had four thousand inside jokes. Mm -hmm. Like it was like family in the room. Yeah. And that's to me, that's part of what the point of theater is. Is like we're why else would you leave your comfortable air conditioned house mm -hmm. to go out into the exit into the Georgia summer, particularly right now, mm -hmm. to go sit in a room with people you don't know if there isn't something about that experience? So that happened. And then this is the fun part of the story. <laughs> Susan was also watching the show that night, and uh, she made a beeline for Mary Lynn as soon as the show was over and said in her ear, we're going to produce this, and then she left. <laughs> if you know Susan V. Booth, you know that that doesn't happen very often, mm -hmm. but it was an amazing experience, an amazing show, and I'm so glad that we produced it, and also that, you know, it's a whole story. Yeah. And those riser projects who get chosen for our season are treated as a regular show in our season totally. so they get the whole treatment they get show art they get a marketing budget they get a full-fledged deal when yeah. they do that and so I know for myself when I saw a meet it was one of my most favorite things I've ever seen mm -hmm. it was it was so unique and so cool and the fact that it's Mary Glenn's first play yeah yeah it was it was really neat it was baked with love at the Alliance Theater yeah. And too, like we don't always, we don't always get to be the ones to first produce any of this, all of the scripts, uh, because we don't, 
some theater companies, when they do something like this, they maintain right of first refusal, right? And while officially speaking, yes, we do have right of first refusal, we're not stingy with it. So if you come to us and say, hey, Theatrical Outfit wants to produce my show, and they'll produce it in you know next season, and we're like, ah, we, we, know, we love your show, but we know we can't produce it next season because we already have most of that slotted, we'll say, great, let Theatrical Outfit do it, which is what happened with one of the shows in this current Riser Lab season. Daryl Fazio's play, Safety Net, which is being produced at uh, Theatrical Outfit this fall, is one of those shows, when I first saw the reading of it, I was like, wait, why aren't we doing this show? Like, I'm really <laughs> sad. It's because Tom Key got it first. That's what happened. Um, and if, you know, it's a, it's a great show. Daryl is a local playwright. She, this is not her first time at the rodeo. Um, but having seen some of Daryl's work, like, she's really kind of an amazing playwright. And this play is extraordinarily topical. It's about the opioid e epidemic. And it's about a local sheriff dealing with that and also dealing with her mother who's getting older and dealing with her, you know, it's, it's a lot of stuff. So it's not the lightest of plays, but as somebody who only goes to the movie theaters to see big action movies and explosions, I still say you got to go see this one. Like, it's really <laughs> amazing. And timely, sounds and like timely. it. And timely. Yeah. Well, and I think one of the things that's cool to me about the program, it's just the idea that not only are we supporting these artists and we're helping them um, put their ideas together we're also launching careers and mm -hmm. people aren't just getting this producing it and then walking away like people are taking this and going on i know mark kendall is a perfect yeah. example of that yeah. of someone who went through that and he's got a new piece he's working on right now he's got a brand new show he's working on but he went through the whole riser program mm -hmm. and at the end of it not only got produced here, but he's been able to take that on the road, the show on the road with him for the past year. And we try to maintain relationships with everybody. Like, we always want to be a resource. Like, if you don't know who to ask a random question, always they should always feel free to reach back out to us. And many of them do, which is great. I, so I, I did want to say one uh, or ask one question. Sure. Um, can you talk a little bit about why it's important to help the Atlanta community? Because theoretically, we could just be a theater that just takes sure, all New York could. strips. And we could be fine. But we like could cast all New York actors. Yeah, but then we wouldn't be, I mean, part of our mission is to be Atlanta's national theater. And a key part of that is the Atlanta part of that. Mm -hmm. If we just hired New York people all the time, why, why are we here? Why are we in Atlanta? Why aren't we somewhere else? Why aren't we in New York, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's one thing. And two, I deeply believe that all boats rise together, right? So that if... Actors Express is doing better, that means we're doing better. If T.O. is doing better, that means we're doing better. If Aurora is doing better, that means we're doing better. I think the more p the more talented theater artists we have in town, the more variety of experiences that everybody has, the better we all will do as a community. I think that it makes it a better place to live, it makes it a better place to work, um, and it means that more people will move here and live here and decide to make their career here to join the people who are already here. Yeah, there, there's such a a stigma about the South mm -hmm. from many parts of the country. And by by investing in the Atlanta community and having these national artists even look at mm -hmm. the projects, it provides an outlet to show that, hey, we're here and we're doing great work. And also the South isn't necessarily what you see on TV. Like the portrayals of the South in popular culture don't match what most people's lived experience is. You know, and I think the more the more artists we have down here who are doing great work in town and also some of those folks who do great work out of town, the more we can share the narrative of what our Atlanta is like, what our version is like. Yeah. 
which actually leads me to another Riser Lab show that we're working on. <laughs> uh, Topher Payne has a piece he's working on called Kudzu, We Cover the South, which is about modern stories of the South, the South as we actually live it. And that hopefully will be coming to a podcast series near you. We have this great grant, and you are an associate producer here, so you're you're directing in town, you're doing all these things. Yep. Since we have you, it seems like a great opportunity to ask sure. you, what makes a good script? Like, what are some of the failings that you have seen with people applying, and what are some of the things that kind of really worked and stuck out to you? Yeah. I think at the end of the day, it needs to tell a story, a compelling story. Um, and I say that... And just to be clear, my version of story does not necessarily mean a narrative that has like an, the beginning happens first, the middle happens second, the ending happens third, right? It can happen in any kind of order, you know, do narrative how you see fit. But it's still got to tell a compelling story. I think that's the most important thing. Um, and then, to me, there's got to be a reason why this has to happen in front of a live audience. There's got to be a reason why this is happening on a stage and why it isn't a film. Because film is an also an amazing medium. TV is a great medium. Why does this have to be a play? Um, sometimes it's because, I mean, there are thousands of reasons why. You know, Sometimes it's because there are cool, th there are theat theater tricks that you can't do on TV and screen, right? There are narrative tricks that are easier to pull off in theater than there are in recorded mediums. It's all things like that, too. So compelling story. Why is it a play? And then for me personally is, in terms of what we produce, because it's different, I think, than what makes just for a good play, mm -hmm. I think is also why this play now, uh, to me, is really key. Like, what is the, how does this speak to our times? How does this speak to a moment in someone's life? How does this speak, how does this speak? Um, and to me, that is most often found from writers who are writing from something personal, whatever that means for them, right? That could be a fight that they had with their mother when they were 11, that could be something they saw on TV that just enraged them or something that happened in real life that just made them laugh like a crazy person and they're writing from that impetus, like th that conveys, like that, that is the thing that tends to come off the page for me. Are there common mistakes that you see artists make? Yes. <laughs> what are some of the common ones? Enlighten us, please. <laughs> I will say brevity is the soul of wit is a fantastic <laughs> quote and many people should take it to heart because some things are just, you don't need that many words to say that thing. You could say it with fewer words. <laughs> um, I had a 10th grade teacher who really drilled that into my brain and at the time was frustrating, but I've been very grateful ever since. <laughs> um, brevity is a soul of wit. That said, I'm one of the few people in our theater who in the pose of a three hour play. Three hour play does not scare me. I'm very happy to sit there for three. I sat and watched Gats, which was, I sat, saw it in one sitting. I think it was 14 hours long or something crazy like that. Ooh including like four intermissions, there's a dinner break, and I didn't want the play to end. It was amazing. <laughs> um, 14 hours? Yeah, they read uh, Elevator Repair Service, did Gats, which is what they called it. They read, literally, they read all of the great Gatsby from cover to cover, every word wow. in the entire book. That's incredible. Um, and they performed it, um, and it was amazing. It's one of the most amazing things I've ever seen on stage. And I, th when it was almost over, I was like, I know it's been out forever, but I really don't want this to end. It's so amazing. <laughs> so again, I'm not afraid of length, mm -hmm. but every word needs to be there, right? Like uh, you need to take the time you need to take. Don't take extra time, I think is a key thing. And then also remember what story you're trying to tell and just tell that story, mm -hmm. right? Focus on the, the story you're trying to tell and tell that. Don't get distracted by side stories, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Tell the story you're trying to tell. Those side stories may enhance that story. They may tie into that story. They may be... Like, you might do a red herring thing, do a switcheroo, great, but, like, make sure you are telling the story you came there to tell. So uh, we would love to know 
what upcoming projects you have in your arsenal? Uh, personally, I'm directing another show for Actors Express this fall called Downstairs by Teresa Rebeck. Uh, we open in at the beginning of November. Um, I have to remember my dates. Beginning of November, which I'm really looking forward to. It's very different than the last show I did with them in Octoroon. Um, this play has three people in it, and it is a family drama, and there is some murder and mayhem perhaps involved, mm-hmm. depending on you know who you ask. And I'm really excited about that one. And then for the rest of it, it's getting ready for next season here. Uh, Daryl's final Riser Lab showcase is this summer for Safety Net. August 3rd. August 3rd. Tickets are free and available on the website. Um, we'll have a couple more happening later this fall. We'll have the cellist I talked about, or Corey's piece, will be happening this fall, and Topher's first round of Cuds will be happening this fall as well. So keep eyes out for dates for those. As well as we've got three new projects that have just started, and so we've got early readings of those happening this summer and this fall, which I'm really excited about. And, I mean, I could tell you the titles, but I've, some of them may change by the time <laughs> that I talk about them again, so why should I tell you the titles right now? Um, but I would say, like, if you are a person who is interested in new work, if you're a person who's interested in what Atlanta artists are thinking about, do keep an eye on our Riser Lab artist page because periodically we'll have open, re- at least once a year, we'll have open readings. And starting next year, I hope, they will become schedulable. You'll n- we'll be able to t- I'll be able to tell you, I can tell you now, when next year's will be. They'll be at the end of March, beginning of April next year, that, f- that week that's kind of that crossover week mm-hmm. of March, April 2020 will be next year's final showcases. So it's save some dates now because that should be cool. Our Candida projects will also be doing their readings that, that week as well. So there'll be a heavy week of new work happening in our building that week. The ultimate new work festival. Yes. Right here at the Alliance Theater. I love that. Yeah. All right. Well, it looks like we're at the end of our time. Uh, thank you so much, Danya. We thank appreciate you, Danya. Yeah. Thank you for asking me. <laughs> we love having you. And here's our calendar of events for August 2019. All right. On August 3rd at 5 p.m., there will be a free performance of Safety Net. Now, this is a project with the Riser Atlanta Artist Lab and the Selig Family Black Box Theater. All you got to do is RSVP at alliancetheater.org slash safety net. We also have a very special announcement. We have a sale. And who doesn't love a sale? So if you've ever thought about taking a class at the Alliance Theater or taking your kids to a class, on August 16th, there's going to be a back-to-school sale for fall classes for one day only. And on that day, all classes are going to be 25% off. So you can purchase those classes at alliancetheater.org education. I'm always looking for ways to make me better. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, here's my question. Do you like free events and do you like Tony Award winning directors? I like nothing more than that. Well, have I got an event for you. August 20th at 7 p.m. Join us for a free exclusive conversation with Jerry Mitchell. Oh, my gosh. I am fangirling so hard right now. <laughs> so he is the director of our upcoming production, Becoming Nancy. And there's going to be performances from the cast at our Behind the Musical event right here at the Woodruff Art Center. Now, we're expecting a high turnout for this event, so you should RSVP right now. All you need to do is go to alliancetheater.org backslash Behind the Musical and grab your spot. And speaking of Broadway, we have some sad news to announce. The prom on Broadway is closing. No, say it ain't so. I know. It's it's happening all good things must come to an end, and it's having its last performance on Broadway, August 11th. And The Prom had its world premiere right here at the Alliance Theater. 
And then there's going to be a Netflix movie. What? And it's going to have Meryl Streep and James Corden and other stars in the movie. And you can watch it from the comforts of your couch. Those guys are big deals. And if you want to see it on stage and you can't make it to New York before the last performance, there's going to be a national tour that launches in the winter of 2021. That's awesome. Thank you, theater gods, for making this available to me. You've been listening to the Alliance Theater Podcast. For updates and new episodes, visit us at alliancetheater.org slash podcast. Have a question, comment, or an idea for a future episode? Email us at podcast at alliancetheater.org. I'm John Carr. And I'm Ariel Tinter. And this has been the Alliance Theater Podcast. Thanks for listening.